Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, in honor of Halloween, we'll talk about how to describe grave markers and what makes screams especially scary. When autumn begins in the Northern Hemisphere, people often decorate their businesses and homes to get ready for Halloween. The National Retail Federation says Americans will spend a whopping $3.2 billion on Halloween decorations this year. So as you can imagine, or as you may have seen in your own neighborhood, these decorations can be quite elaborate. You often see mummies, witches, skeletons, spiders, jack-o'-lanterns, black cats, cobwebs, ghosts, and tombstones. Or gravestones. Is there a difference? Does it even matter? Well, the words tombstone and gravestone used to refer to large stone slabs that served as a lid for a tomb or covering for a grave. They might have had engravings on them, but their purpose was to secure a deceased body in a tomb or in the ground. Gravestone is the older word being used from the late 1300s, and tombstone is from the mid-1500s. A headstone, as the word implies, referred to a grave marker placed at the head of a grave. It's the newest of the three words, arising in 1676, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. Today, the words tombstone, gravestone, and headstone are often used interchangeably to refer to stone grave markers of any size or style. Regardless of which term you use, all three words refer to something made of stone that marks where someone is or will be buried. Sometimes cemeteries have grave markers showing where people who are still alive will be buried someday, but most grave markers indicate where someone has already been buried. So whether they are used to designate the location of a present grave or future grave, all three words, tombstone, headstone, and gravestone, refer to the same thing, a burial site with a marker made of stone. Other words are also used to refer to grave markers. For example, the word monument is a common term for something marking an individual grave or a family plot containing multiple graves. In some cemeteries, it's common to see a large monument with a family name on it, surrounded by smaller grave markers for the family members who are or will be buried there. Some grave sites also have a footstone, which, as the word implies, is a stone marker placed at the foot of a grave. 
Footstones are usually smaller and have fewer engravings than markers placed at the head of a grave. In some areas, such as New Orleans, Louisiana, or in the famous Recoleta Cemetery in Buenos Aires, Argentina, you'll also see above-ground vaults where bodies are interred. These elaborate resting places are also sometimes called tombs or mausoleums. Edamonline has an interesting origin for the word mausoleum. It comes from one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, quote, a tomb built in 353 BCE at Helicarnassus, a Greek city in Asia Minor, unquote, the ruins of which are in the present-day city of Bodrum, Turkey. This massive marble structure, it's believed to have been 148 feet high, got its name, the Mausoleum at Helicarnassus, from the name of the powerful ruler who was buried there, Mausolus. Not all tombs are massive. Graves and grave markers come in many shapes, sizes, and materials. The burial site of Edward Schieflin provides an interesting example. In the 1870s, Ed Schieflin was a prospector trying to strike it rich. He ventured out alone in a rough and dangerous area east of the San Pedro River in Arizona Territory in search of rocks containing precious metals. A friend told him that the only rock he'd find would be his tombstone. Ed knew what his friend meant, but he persisted and eventually found silver in several places. He named one of his strikes Tombstone, and when miners flocked to the area, the town that sprang up took on the same name. So even though Tombstone, Arizona is famous, or maybe that should be infamous, for a gunfight at the O.K. Corral involving Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday on October 26, 1881, the town got its name from Schieflin's success, not from death in the Wild West. Ed Schieflin died in Oregon in 1897, but according to his wishes, his final resting place is in Arizona. His grave near Tombstone is under a pyramid-shaped monument built of rocks and fashioned after the way that prospectors marked their claims. The three casualties of Tombstone's notable gunfight are buried in Boot Hill Graveyard, along with others who lived and died in that place and time. Many of the early grave markers at Boot Hill were wooden crosses that disintegrated, and the graveyard fell into disrepair in the 1920s. But there were also some stone markers, and locals have restored the graveyard as much as possible. Regardless of the material, shape, or size, the term grave marker can be used to refer to anything marking a grave. However, if a monument or other memorial, even though it might look like a grave marker, is not marking a person's actual grave, then it would be called a cenotaph, which comes from Greek that means empty tomb. War memorials inscribed with soldiers' names, for example, are cenotaphs. But all of this still leaves us with the question of what to call those Halloween decorations that look like grave markers, but actually aren't and might not even be made of stone. Because the words tombstone, headstone, and gravestone are commonly used as synonyms, it doesn't really matter which term you use for their replicas in Halloween displays. Whichever word you use, people will likely understand what you mean. Just as Ed Schieflin knew what his friend meant with his warning that he would find his tombstone. That segment was written by Brenda Thomas, a freelance writer and online educator. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the internet. Which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high coverage foundation more popular than soft-launching your boyfriend. 
More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi. It's more popular than influencers. See you in there. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules? only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? Well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages, and you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally first with words, then the phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Is it rosettastone.com slash grammar. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash grammar today. If you want to be really frightening this Halloween, don't waste your time dressing up as a ghost or goblin. Instead, just let loose with a blood-curdling scream. Because as it turns out, the acoustics of the human scream communicates fear even more effectively than Jason or Freddy Krueger. But why are screams so particularly startling to us when other noisy sounds like airplanes, construction noise, and thunder surely boom in our ears just as loudly? What is unique to the human shriek that sends chills down our backs when we hear it? Although human screams use the same voice box as when we say boo, they're particularly noticeable because they occupy an acoustic range not found in our everyday speech. The result is a specific sound quality called roughness that seems to register in our brains as very unpleasant or cringeworthy, the vocal version of nails on a chalkboard. Speech scientists are able to quantify this acoustic roughness using a measure known as Modulation Power Spectrum, or MPS. MPS is basically a way of measuring how quickly a sound shifts back and forth in loudness. It seems that when there are wide and fast volume changes, it's heard as harsh, jarring, or rough-sounding. Screams are characterized by such rapid shifts at a rate ranging from 30 to 150 hertz, while normal human speech uses a much slower modulation range, such as around 5 hertz. So when comparing human screams to speech from a variety of languages, researchers found that screams have higher roughness measures. Also, screaming is typically louder and has more variable and higher pitch than spoken sentences, but neither of these attributes are unique to screams. 
Instead, it seems like it's this specific acoustic quality of roughness that humans psychologically react to when we hear someone scream. In other words, we notice a harsh and grating quality to screaming because these fast changes in volume don't seem to happen in our regular speech, while high pitch and loudness alone sometimes do. As a result, a scream's MPS range seems to be an innate shorthand for danger, Will Robinson. Other natural and artificial signals like animal screeches, sirens, and car horns also have similarly quick shifts in loudness, suggesting that hearing this specific rough quality is important for alerting us to danger. And the rougher the scream, the more scary people seem to find it which is why no one can forget Janet Leigh's famous shower scream in the horror movie Psycho. Interestingly, in a study that compared the music in climactic horror scenes with the music played during non-scary scenes, tracks that built up to a murderous slashing scene replicated the rough acoustics of screams, suggesting that it's not just the serial killer pulling back the shower curtain that gets the audience to the edge of their seat. In short, there's a reason a haunted house or horror flick just isn't the same without a hair-raising scream or two. That segment was written by Valerie Fridland, a professor of linguistics at the University of Nevada in Reno and author of a forthcoming book on all the speech habits we love to hate. She's also a language expert for Psychology Today, where she writes a monthly blog, Language in the Wild. You can find her at ValerieFridland.com or on Twitter as FridlandValerie. A listener in the UK named Martin wrote in with a funny story about trademarks. He said, quote, The name Hoover is so ingrained in the British psyche that it's rare to hear mention of a vacuum cleaner for removing dust from carpets. Many refer to doing the hoovering or getting out the hoover, regardless of the brand they use. Taking this a step further, now that Dyson has become a major brand in the UK, it's not uncommon to hear people referring to their recent purchase of a Dyson Hoover, when of course they mean a vacuum cleaner manufactured by Dyson rather than their competitor, Hoover, unquote. That cracked me up and also reminded me of a similar story. A few years ago, we had a repairman in the house, and I made some kind of comment about the electric tablet he was carrying, and he said something like, oh yeah, it's a Samsung iPad. So I guess our stories show that if your brand is successful enough, it even gets combined generically with your competitors' brand names. And finally, I have a Familect story. Hi, Grandma Girl. I have a word for you. Uh, In my family, my mother used to always say when something was chaotic, it was a Kessel Garden. And uh, I never realized until I was much older and more aware of history and immigration stuff that a Kesselgarten is actually Tassel Garden, which was where immigrants came into New York pre-Ellis Island. Thank you. How interesting. Thanks for that story. If you want to call with the story of your familect, a word your family and only your family uses, you can leave a voicemail at 833214-GIRL, and I might play it on the show. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find articles that go with each podcast segment at my website, quickanddirtytips.com. Thanks to my audio engineer, Nathan Sams, and my editor, Adam Cecil. Our operations and editorial manager is Michelle Margulis, and our assistant manager is Emily Miller. Our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. That's all. Thanks for listening. 
to move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.